It'd be rare to come across someone who hasn't had an x-ray before. It's a common tool that clinicians use to diagnose what's wrong with you by taking an image inside you. And the process of working out that something isn't quite right involves looking at the image and saying, hey, this pattern doesn't look how it's supposed to look. Let's explore that further. So this task of pattern recognition, radiologists, doctors, clinicians, they're all very good at it because they've been trained. But something that's been proven many times over now is that machines actually do a better job at this on scale. When they're trained, they don't get tired. They don't get distracted. They don't get bored and they don't have emotions. Train an algorithm right, it can do that pattern recognition task over and over, day in, day out, much more consistently than humans ever could. And that doesn't mean we don't need humans, particularly in healthcare. It just means we free up the tasks that we aren't as good at and focus more on things we like and we are good at, like executive function and human interaction and connection and so on. This doesn't just stop at radiology in healthcare either. Any diagnostic imaging or measuring is ripe for artificial intelligence and machine learning to get involved. And in most areas, it already is. One organisation that has a fascinating story to tell in this area is Harrison AI. And in this episode, I'm speaking with Dr. Angus Tran, their CEO and co-founder. We're going to talk about how Arison AI came to be, this connection between Australia and Vietnam, and this mission to drive better health equity across the world, much of it fueled by technology. We talk about building trust with clinicians when it comes to artificial intelligence and machine learning, and the opportunities that exist with health and AI, and how do we deal effectively with all this data that we're generating in healthcare today. And a lot more too. Collaboration starts with a conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech, a podcast and membership community about technology in healthcare. Here's your host, Peter Birch. With me today is Dr. Angus Tran, CEO and co-founder of Harrison AI, a clinician-led healthcare artificial intelligence company that innovates efficient and accessible solutions and services. Dr. Angus Tran, thank you so much for joining. Thank you, Peter. That's great to have you on the show. I feel like it's been a long time coming to have Harrison AI on the podcast and talking about some of the challenges that you're addressing. And there's some really fascinating stuff in there. So I'm excited to have this conversation with you. But for those that don't know you, Angus, and your background, tell us about you and what you're up to. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show, Peter. And it's very excited to share the story. So a bit about myself first, I'm one of the co-founders of Harrison AI, currently the CEO of the business. The company was founded between Dimitri Tran, who was my uh, older brother, and myself about three years ago. And the background for us is that, you know, we are two brothers who uh, were born and grew up in Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam. We came to Australia 13 years ago for me and, and much longer for Dimitri. And that's kind of where we came from and how we came to be and how we got to where we are and to start the business. So Harrison AI, our mission is to improve the global capacity of good health services by putting comprehensive AI solution in the hands of clinicians and doing so improved the equality of access to good quality healthcare across the world. And one of the kind of metrics for us is to reach a million patients through our technology every single day. We call it an annual recurring life touch. We're currently about a million patients per year at the moment, so we still have a way to go. One of our model is we form you know, ventures with global health services, and these ventures span many health domain. You know, the first one is in the field of radiology called Annalise AI. The second one recently is called Franklin AI. 
in the field of pathology. And the goal is that through this vehicle, these ventures, we build comprehensive AI solutions that really improve quality of diagnosis, access to healthcare in each of the given health domain, and doing so realize the broader Harrison visions of meal and life touch through our collective products all around the world. Yeah. So cool. And I love that backstory about coming in and creating these solutions and building up the different ventures. I find that an interesting model in itself too. So help me understand, is Harrison AI a software product in itself or is it more about the underlying algorithm? Like talk to me about like what the things are that people consume when they're using your products. Yeah. So Harrison is a company that build ventures, right? So our, our product, if you like, are the products that our ventures developed. So Harrison developed a set of technologies that are uh, very powerful and sophisticated in building great AI technology for health use. We then partners with global health services. I met Radiology Network in the field of radiology and form a company called Annalise. We then partner with Sonic Healthcare in the field of pathology to form a company called Franklin. And by combining the IP and expertise of building great machine learning and AI system within Harrison, plus the clinical expertise and great domain problems from our partners is how we create these products that the end user get to use. So a bit of background, yeah, I was a medical doctor by training. So I'm, when I came to Australia, I was trained as a clinician and I spent six years at the University of New South Wales to train to be a doctor. And one of the problems that I noticed at the time was that it just take a long time to train a clinician, right? You know, six years of medical school, then probably another six years before you become a specialist who can independently practice and provide good healthcare. And that's just not very scalable. At the same time, right, you have this kind of increased problem space in demand for good health services. And there's just a big mismatch there. So the product that we're looking to build is meant to help clinicians look after more patients at much higher quality. So concretely, you know, in Annalise, we built two products. One is the chest X-ray technology, Annalise chest X-ray. And the second one is Annalise CT brains. So these are algorithms that can look at these scans and comprehensively detect hundreds of findings on those scans and then present those findings to clinicians. So you can think about it as a spell checker for radiologists, right? So when you write an email or you typed up a blog post, you would want to have some software that checked in case you make any mistake. Why wouldn't we want the same when it comes to some of the most critical reads there is in, in our life, which is our health? So the tool, you know, look at the scan, detect hundreds of findings and flagging them to radiologists and then by doing so, reduce the possibility that the radiologist would miss a critical findings on those scan and therefore improve the quality of outcome for the patients. So that's how we, we see you know, AI, particularly in Annalise, which is one of Harrison Venture, can help in delivering health service uh, into the future. I love this model too, because I know that there's two quite different vehicles to drive here in terms of all of the back-end expertise in terms of artificial intelligence and machine learning and working on those algorithms, but then translating that into a usable product that takes into consideration unique workflows and adoption by clinicians and everything. And as an organization that's trying to do both, even in just one subset, it's a difficult challenge. So I think by having these ventures that are really immersed within those problems to be solved, I think that really highlights some of those challenges. So I can see the value there. Yeah. And you with the background, the clinical background, where does the artificial intelligence come in? I'm keen to learn a bit more about that journey of Harrison coming to be. Yeah, absolutely. So as I share, I grew up in Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam and had a fortunate opportunity to 
come to Australia where I learned the practice of medicine. And during that time, you know, each year I, I have an opportunity to go back home to visit my family, but also spend time in the hospital system in Ho Chi Minh City, where I grew up. And during that six years, I see the stark contrast between, you know, the health service delivery, the modern medicine that I learned in Australia, and the reality of the medicine at scale in a place like Ho Chi Minh City. And what I realized very quickly was what the health system really needed was not more brilliant solutions, right? It's not the disease that really affecting a lot of people are not, you know, the cutting edge of medicine. It is a basic diagnosis of your generic heart failures. It is patients with pneumonia, lung cancers that because the health disparity like, is screened too late. And that's where I kind of realized that it is an economic problem that we are really facing not a scientific one as a world of medicine, where, you know, at some point along the line, you know, we made an economic calculations that this is how much money we have for lung cancer surveillance. And therefore, these are criteria you must meet before you receive certain imaging, certain care, certain screening. And what made it very clear in my mind that while I was trained to be a doctor, the very exciting solution to solve the solution that are very much medicine is how do we change the economic equations of health services? And at the time, you know, with a technology background, growing up, learning how to code, I realized that by building great AI system that significantly reduce costs of analysis is one of the scalable solution that we can change the economic equation and therefore bring back, you know, that kind of health equality, right, between the different world. And that kind of bubble in my mind the whole way through uh, the six years of medical training. And when I graduated, I realized, you know, I'm not quitting medicine. I'm not giving that up. I'm still very much going by what I swear by, you know, when you're oath of medicine, but in a very exciting different direction, which is using health tech, right, to look after patients, right, like you would, you know, if you were working in an ED department in Alfred Hospital, for example. And yeah, so I think that's the journey for Harrison and how we came to start the business and the drive behind it. That's a good message too for a lot of clinicians. There's a lot of sunk cost when, you know, people go through the medical school journey and they feel like then if they're going to diverge from the path of going down and being a full-time clinician, being able to see others that have gone down that path and still stay very true to the why, you know, the reason why they got involved in the first place. I think that's a really good message. Thank you, Peter. I think it's a useful one. Absolutely. I have a random question. It's something I've thought with the back of my mind. The names, Harrison, Annalise, Franklin, they sound like really trendy names that like parents in the Eastern suburbs would give their kids that in a really nice yeah. private school. Where do the names come from? <laughs> I mean, it's you know, depending on the business, right? So the Harrison business, when we first started the company, Dimitri and I, we were sitting in our home at the time, you know, our office was the kitchen in the two bedroom Zetland apartment which is where I was kind of staying when I was going to medical school. And we asked, you know, we have this idea and what should we name the business? And at the time, training to be a doctor, there was a textbook that, you know, it's been kind of like a pillow for all medical students. It's called Harrison Principle of Internal Medicine. So this book is this kind of two volumes, you know, about this kind of two hands full thick of textbook that had everything you really need to know about internal medicine, right? Like you would go to the hospital and the clinician would ask you questions and, you know, if you can not only know the answer, but what page in Harrison uh, the information came from. That was like the pinnacle for medical students. So, you know, at the time I was kind of sitting on the corner of the room and I said, why don't we call it Harrison, right? I mean, a human is at the heart of what we do. And why not name it after one of the great kind of medical educators, which is Harrison Tinsley. Uh, so that's how we came to name the company Harrison AI. 
from then we realized that, hey, look, when we enter different health verticals, these ventures, right, we like to build it up almost like a medical department, right, like a, a hospital. You know, there's a radiology department, there's pathology department, and they are ran by people. So why not name some of our great technology after people? So Analyse is a quite popular name. It's Danish for analyze. So sometimes even people confuse and say analyze, which is great because it's medical imaging. And Franklin is a scientist's name. So Franklin AI is named after Rosalind Franklin. So she's one of the contributors in the discovery of the double helix structures of the DNA but she was not properly, you know, her credit wasn't attributed properly. And recently people realized that she actually played a very big role in discovery of the helix. So we named that as a bit of an homage to her. And I guess, you know, that's one of the things that we probably keep going as well. You know, when we enter a new space, we probably name it after people. And one of the things I tell the team is eventually we have F and A now. Maybe we can just do a Monica or a, a Michelle and spell out a word family eventually. <laughs> yeah. So it's going to be a Harrison family venture. Nice direction to go. No, that's so cool. I love the meaning behind those and the bringing in people. That's really important. Hey, speaking of those, I guess, separate areas, departments, the focus areas of Harrison AI and the different ventures, talk to me about those areas of healthcare that you're tackling and, and why you've gone about those in this order so far. Yeah. So when we first started, we wanted to create a lot of impact and we want that to be a meaningful area of healthcare. And when we look at the different fields, we realized that radiology was the front door of healthcare. And that's why Annalise was the first ventures that we embark on. Radiologists are like the traffic controllers of the health system, right? In our life, for most of us, the most common and the first encounters to the health system after general practitioners would be some kind of scans, right? Most commonly a chest X-ray or a CT brain. And because we want to get to a million slides per day, right? That's kind of like our North Star, right? Why not start in one of the biggest and most digitized area of healthcare? And that's why we kind of focus on radiology first. The gap that we're noticing in the world, there's about 30% shortage of radiologists and that's growing, right? So in UK, for example, you're growing to a 44% shortage in clinicians. And there's just a disparity between supply of radiologists' capabilities and the demand. And what that means are that patients facing anxious and long wait for their result, right? So if you get a chest x-ray done, that means you get your result a couple of weeks later rather than hours later. And sometimes the patient would have a critical findings or critical illness that are life-changing or life-friendings because they're not detected early enough. The alternative is that people are working much faster, right? So in the past, radiologists used to spend like five minutes interrogating a chest X-ray. These days, they're doing so in 20 seconds. So, you know, you're working much faster than we used to do. And that means that there's a chance of critical misses. So we see the role for AI is to scale the capabilities of radiologists and allow them to look after a larger cohort of patients while doing so much more accurately and safer. So that's where we start in the field of radiology and we've managed to build great product that is now being used by one in three Australian radiologists now. And we're starting to make progress overseas as well. Interesting that you bring up the overseas point, because I think you described that really well throughout this conversation so far in terms of the way that an AI tool can be used in healthcare as like the spell check or the intelligent assistant that's helping the clinician in making a decision. And then you've described this issue of the problem of supply and demand in healthcare generally. Do you think really that's the key role that AI has in shaping the future of healthcare both here and abroad? Yeah, absolutely. Right. So the general public, what we don't appreciate is, is healthcare is still 
probably one of the last professional where it's very quite glove service, right? In general, every patient has a one-on-one -on -one relationship with the clinicians, right? If you've got a chest x-ray, there's a radiologist who's going to read that. That's almost not the case in any other industry now. And what that means is that at some point, that's just not going to scale, right? And I see the role of AI as a multiplying force, right? So imagine a hundred chest x-ray, but you only have capabilities to really read 10 of them. How do we look after the same populations, right, as the demand increase while maintaining the same level of safety? And the role of AI is that it can look at those hundreds and identifying the most critical cases of functionality we call triage in analyses. And only the cases that contain the critical findings will get the full attentions from the quote-unquote white glove service from the clinicians. And then the rest of the scan, right, can be read at a lower priority, uh, less urgently, and potentially in the future, once you have sufficient evidence, they may not be read at all, right? And we're seeing that in many areas of healthcare already, in blood tests, in other space outside of medicine. And I believe that's really is the only way where we can take the existing workforce and scale that up to the demand of the future in Australia and abroad. And I think a really important element of this is the focus on the clinicians and assisting the clinicians. Mm. And we've seen artificial intelligence and its application in healthcare. The concern comes when it's kind of unleashed wildly straight out to patients and it's kind of patients mm. being left to vulnerable. I think that's where a lot of the stress and concern and hesitation comes from sometimes within the health community in terms of the role that artificial intelligence can play within healthcare. An important aspect of ensuring that AI is supporting clinicians is also that it's got the trust from those clinicians as a tool, whether it's reliable or whether it's something that they can then lean on when they're at their busiest. How do you go about building that trust with clinicians and the buy-in to be able to scale out some of these solutions effectively? Yeah, I believe uh, in a world where you know radiologists and other specialists work hands in hands with AI system to scale the ability for health delivery, right? And obviously inherent part of that is a component of trust. And we achieve that in a couple of ways through the Harrison methodology. The first is really this kind of medical leadership, right? So as a company, we're very driven by patient impact. And many of our you know, senior leaders in the companies have medical background. And that really put into focus this kind of sense of patient first, right? In terms of building solutions that benefit patients. And that allow us to build in many things relating to how we design the product to make sure that it's most useful, like our chest x-ray and our CT brain product. The other area is, you know, this kind of clinical evidence, right? I think a lot of people, when they talk about health tech, specifically AI, they forget the fact that it's still like a medical device, right? And it's not like a medical device. It is a medical device. Yeah. No difference to a scalpel or a penicillin, right? And that means robust clinical evidence, that means high quality clinical studies. And at the company, you know, we run some of the largest clinical study done ever in radiology, not just radiology, AI, where we get clinicians to do reads of chest x-ray or CT brain and then test their readings with the use of the analyst solution, for example, and really comparing that performance. And, you know, these are published in Lancet Digital Health, which are some of the most credible journal in the field. And I believe, you know, only by creating high quality clinical evidence that are peer reviewed and is critiqued by the community, then we can come up with safe and reliable and therefore trusted med tech solution, right? Just like anything else in medicine, it's only trusted if it's evidence-based, right? Yeah. And I think the final piece is also around this kind of obsessions with great user design and experience. 
I think there's always a great trade-off between kind of functionality and the perception that health tech need to be kind of old and boring versus you can really design good user experience that are human-centered, right? Like something that the radiologists would find benefit from that are both safe and functional. So, you know, Annalise, one of the ventures for Harrison, we spend hundreds of hours, right, talking to clinicians, looking at prototype, mocked up, as well as getting them to use the tool to make sure that this is something that inspire confidence and therefore trust in the clinicians. Yeah. A really important aspect as well with artificial intelligence is obviously the data to train algorithms and be able to have that capability learned mm. within it. How do you go about ensuring that you've got good quality set of data that can be used to fuel some of these capabilities, knowing that in a diagnostic perspective, usually an image or a, whether it's a chest x-ray, whatever it might be, is usually taken if there is a concern. And then, you know, mm. you want to make sure you've got this good amount of and variety of data that's available for the algorithm to learn, not just pictures of suspicious, whatever it might be, what suspicious tests. So how do you go about some of that? Creating. Yeah. The, the creation side of these elements. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I always say internally is data set, whenever people think about it in their mind, they have these pictures of a mine, right? Like an oil rig, like you mining data, right? Cause that's tend to be the analogy that get perpetuated. Now, sometimes they even say data is the new oil, right? So you kind of led to believe that data is somewhere and then you go and you take it. Whereas in my mind, the analogy is more like growing a plant, right? Like a data set is something you grow rather than something you mine. And what that means is that you kind of intentionally create a data set that you need to solve the problem that you want. So in this case, if you take our second product, CT Brain, you know, we curated or grow a data set about 250,000 or so quarter of million CT Brain. And we intentionally take data from a diverse clinical scenarios, right? So in emergency, but also outpatient, well patient, maybe brain cancers, maybe CT brain where there's MRI follow-up, a completely normal CT brain referred by general practice because of headache. So we create this kind of diverse data set of all the clinical scenarios that we want. And then the next step from that is to label the data. So when you train AI system, you just need the data. You also need to tell the AI system what it is, that approach we call supervised learning. So we have a team of radiologists, both in Australia and Vietnam. They spend about 100,000 hours looking at quarter of a million CT brain and annotate each and every one of them what findings is in that CT brain. So it's a huge amount of efforts, right? People said 10,000 hour master skill, you know, at least analyze CT brain is 100,000 hours. And that's the only way that we can create this kind of data set that are really conductive to build high performance system like our CT brain product. I am absolutely stealing that analogy of the growing data as opposed to mining data. And so I'm sure people yeah. will hear that on the podcast in the future. I love the way you think about that. That's such a way to open your mind in relation to the problems to be solved then. Mm. So I'm thinking then for the future for Harrison, what can we expect to see from the business? And how do you think we get to this point where AI and practitioners work harmoniously together into the future? Yeah, I think if you look into the future, there's not a doubt in my mind that we'll need to move to this model where there's different levels of care provided based on, you know, some kind of AI assessed priority in the patient, right? I think we are just at the point now in the health system in Australia and abroad where an MDT service of five specialists looking at one patient and discuss it for one hour it's just not going to scale. And there's not a doubt in my mind that in the near future, and hopefully that's five years timeline, that there's a system that will screen a population and identifying the most critical patients that need that kind of one-on-one white glove service. 
the question is, you know, what happened in between, right? And I believe there's a huge opportunities for AI system like our CT brain solution, chest X-ray, but also in pathology that we just started now to be a huge part of that. The reason for it is because this technology scale like software, right? And I think that's the only good thing that came out of, or not the only, but it's one of the really good things that came out of the big tech giant like Facebook and Twitter is that they create this, this kind of magical technology that you can park a solution in front of a problem, apply scalable cloud infrastructure, and all of a sudden that is a very scalable solution. And that is, I believe, and that's the whole idea about Harrison is that AI is that solution that we can scale toward this giant problem of our time, which is how do we look after all these people, right? So that's kind of where we see that coming. With Harrison specifically, you probably see that we'll expand our product portfolio in radiology, you know, tackle other modality like CT chest, like mammography imaging, X-ray of the hips and abdomen pelvis. And, you know, we just started in pathology, right? So we start with histopathology, which is a study of microscopic tissue images, very critical in detections and diagnosis of cancer and other critical illness. And then also expansion into growing the family of ventures of Harrison into other areas like oncology, ophthalmology, and endoscopy, for example. And the idea is that for Harrison, we build a, a shared AI technology platform that is reusable right across the different space, such that when we start a new area, like say endoscopy, it's not starting from scratch, right? They're leveraging a lot of the existing piece that we've already developed as we build chest X-ray, CT brain, and other technology and pathology. And that's how I believe is this kind of hospital department model, right? Where one day, you know, Harrison will have all of the different discipline required, right? To look after the world in a very scalable system. Love this. The outlook into the future is really exciting and such great insight into what's brought Harrison to where it is today and exciting to see what the future looks like. So we'll put the details in the show notes of the episode for people to check out in their own time and connect with what's going on at Harrison and the other ventures as well. Angus, I really appreciate you making the time to come and have a chat and all the best for the future. Thanks so much. Thank you, Peter. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Talking Health Tech. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast player. And for more information, visit TalkingHealthTech.com.